Malcolm Honline is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yes, good morning to you. Strange strategy, huh, to keep our regular features during a uh, intense fundraising day, huh? Is that the only strange thing that's going on? <laughs> As Malcolm says, not the strangest thing about Nahum Siegel, that's for sure. Uh, by the way, congratulations. You seem to be on the cover or being featured in uh, on websites uh, all around the Jewish world. People are uh, are writing about your distinguished career and uh, and begging you for stories of things that have happened over the last 30, 40 years. So congratulations on all of that. Well, thank you, and thank you to Indian Magazine for the wonderful piece they did, and to the Jerusalem Report for the cover story, and Mishpacha, and there's more to come. And I don't know why, as a rule, I shy away from any interview, especially about myself, and I want to save the good stuff for the book, which I eventually hope to write someday. But, you know, given the certain stage and things, uh, and I have to say these writers are amazing. From one interview, they were able to get six, seven pages it's quite remarkable. They're they're fast and uh, quite accurate in the reporting. By the way, not despite the mistakes in the articles, and there are some inaccuracies at times, yeah. right? But by the way, and I don't mean to minimize it. Obviously, I've had I've had the frankly the privilege of you know sitting with you a few times and and hearing different uh, stories and accounts of the last forty years. But one of the things that I saw in one of the publications, and we'll get to the Jewish, to the weekly update in a second, but it just reminded me the story you told about President Reagan. And Bitburg, mm-hmm. where where and those of us in this generation, I, I can't go through the whole story. You can Google it, folks, if you're from the younger folks. But he he, I never realized that he had such regret, and if he would have realized w- what that site was, he likely would never have scheduled to go there. He would not have. He he was blindsided, I think, by some aides, and uh, I, I, we were there that week because we. I had started the Jewish Heritage Week, which a lot of people and subsequently administrations, you know, took credit for, but it actually started, Ronald Reagan was the first to launch it nationally. We started it in New York, and uh, we had a ceremony where he was going to do that, and I asked Eloise L to come, and the president, then I was at the JCRC, was Peggy Tishman, and she came, but before... Uh, I was there, and that's when that famous exchange took place where he told me about right. stealing the film. Uh, but he he told me that he was not aware and that he never would have, he never himself would have uh, done it had he realized the sensitivity of the SS uh, graves in Bitburg. The only thing that I asked then about that story was, was it irreparable? Especially with all, I'm like, I think I think most would have understood, or maybe in Germany they wouldn't have understood, huh? Most would have understood if at that point when when he realized what it was, if he would have canceled it or altered it or, but but he didn't go ahead and do that. They did not uh, do it, but remember, he had people around him who were right. directing it, and right. then the, it became very sensitive in Germany and uh, right. elsewhere. And he, uh, but his statements were he made some statements to try and ameliorate the the damage of mm-hmm. of doing it. And again, it was more the optics of it to go to a cemetery where yeah. uh, SS. People were buried. Did did, did you um, were you proud of the way Ellie Wiesel handled it? Did you think it was too strong on him? That it was too pub, too much of a public? Uh, no, I think it was perfectly appropriate. He was, did it well, and the words were immortalized right. when he said, that, "Mr. President, this place is not your place." Right. Boy. And uh, you know, President Reagan reacted. And you know, there was no question about where his heart was on these things and yeah. what he personally thought. And as I told you, what he said to me that morning. 
alone in his in the Oval Office right. uh, underscored it, and that he could anticipate in 1944-5 that Holocaust deniers would would emerge, and that he wanted his grandchildren at least to be give testimony as to what really occurred. Right. So that's really where his heart was. And, and he had the film from. Just remind me, I don't remember that part. A of concentration this. camp. Right, but he had the. But how did he obtain it? I'm saying he was uh, in the film unit in the army during the war. And he said, I'm holding on to this and just he, for that when reason. he left, he said, I stole a film. That was his word. I stole the film. I knew it wasn't legal, but I, but the, and it was a copy of me. Now, obviously, I had others. But he wanted his grandchildren to be able to give testimony when people denied that this actually occurred. Unbelievable. So you had a lot of great stories, but that one really got me. And I'm sure you agree that's one of the better ones. <laughs> it was really something. Amongst the ones that I have told, it's a better one. Oh boy. oh boy! I think you actually did tell me one that you don't tell others. Uh, years ago, we were sitting in Israel. I think you did tell me one of those. So I, I feel privileged, frankly. Right. Anyway, Malcolm Holine is with us. All right, news of the day. Um, what do you make of the president canceling the uh, the summit uh, with North Korea? Uh, I think uh, ultimately it will be a good move. I think it, it sends a message to Iran, not just to North Korea. And that the more that this president proves his uh, unpredictability, I think it becomes a bigger and bigger asset. Look, wow. I, 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 does everything work that way? No. Could there an argument be made that, you know, the, there's too much inconsistency? And But, you know, you're dealing with a, a party in North Korea whose record, I think, really um, raises many more questions than answers. And the, the president's uh, toughness, as proven, I think, in regard to pulling out of the JCPOA, where, uh, you know, people who were opposed to it just a week or two ago are beginning to realize that it was the right move, that we put Iran in a in a difficult position, that the Europeans, who can uh, call and, and have all sorts of meetings with the Iranian officials, as they did, Iran keeps raising the demands on them, uh, Iran and they are conspiring to find ways to to uh, you know avoid and evade the the sanctions that the US is going to put down but when total the huge french energy company pulls out of iran that's the biggest answer to everything because once other companies see that and other companies have to face the choice of doing business with the US or doing business with iran and even if it means business with europe Will the choice will be very clear for the vast, vast, vast majority of them, and especially the big international corporations. And I think what the when and, and part of the asset, and this was true even when President Bush II, when we had 150,000 troops in Iraq, or after his axis of evil speech, we were in such a strong position because they really believed that, that he could do anything, and we could have moved then against Iran and pressured them. And uh, you know this, these dictatorships. Probe for weakness. Iran is a weak country today. It's a powerful country in some respects, but their economy is in absolute ruin. Their real, the, the, the currency is a terrible low. There were huge demonstrations around the country. All the truck drivers went on strike across the whole country this week. You didn't read about it. People not telling the truth about you know what happens. There were violent demonstrations in a city called um, Kazarun, and they, it broke out there between demonstrators and Iranian security forces. And the local police station was set on fire, and at least five of the people there uh, were killed, and scores were injured. And yeah, there were no stories and no condemnations and no call for UN, you know, the, the International Criminal Court or others to to um, uh, to investigate it. 
but the situation with Iran, as, as compared to what so much of the media talking about, you know, the strength and that the sanctions, the sanctions that the U.S. is planning, hitting the banking, hitting others, hitting individuals, has a tremendous impact. And co- companies know it, and we're beginning already to see them falling into line. So uh, Iran... Uh, can put on the big show just like North Korea can, and they. This is a lot of maneuvering that's going on at the at the same time, and you know we, we found by the way on regard to Iran, there are satellite pictures showing another secret installation where they believe they are um, building and developing technology for long range missiles and more advanced missiles. Um, you know, despite the fact that they supposedly are freezing stuff. But this was a secret long-range missile research facility in the desert, and five independent experts looked at the pictures and said that uh, this was compelling evidence that they are developing this technology. Discovered this week? This week, this week. Shh. came out. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. People are not, you know, the facts aren't being given. We're not getting the full story. Iran restored full funding to Hezbollah. It was down to $200 million. Now we believe it's back up to $800 million about, or even maybe more. And guess why, or where that money came, comes from. The, it's certainly not the people of Iran's desire. Even even the um, Secretary General UN called on Hezbollah to stop its military action, called on them to come under the armed forces of, of Lebanon, um, and uh, and they recited the resolution in 2004 that called on all the Lebanese militias to disarm. You know, again, when, it, when the stories fall in these categories... You're not seeing the kind of reaction we we see. Iran's adventurism, Nahum, spreading. And I mentioned uh, before about Morocco. Now we see even more aggressiveness on their part uh, regarding providing weapons to the Polisario. And... Um, the, the um, um, Including the SAM-9, SAM-11... And, and air uh, ground missiles. By the way, is this the fact that they're shunned by the U.S. Is this going to strengthen the North Korean-Iran relationship? So that's a, that is a good question, and uh, probably yes. I'm sure Iran wasn't happy that they, you know, when well while they're getting right. isolated more and more, that North Korea comes into it. And I don't believe this is the last chapter. I think North Korea will come back. It may take some time, but but how you know, anxious is he to get to that table? I always wonder. You know, we, we know the North Koreans. We, yeah, we know that Trump, the president, is, is lukewarm now. We see he can go either way on it. But I wonder how desperate the leader of North Korea is to get to that table with the U.S. Yeah, but he put, you know, the important thing is for those who support this move is that he drew a line in the sand and right. he said, this is it. And when once red lines are seen by dictators and other bad guys as the red lines that hold too often in the past Americans, America's red line, like the chemical weapons issue in Syria, it sends the wrong message. And the, the, they exploit it because they know they see that America will not stand by uh, the positions that they that they take. In fact, in, in Morocco, I just wanted to say that they, yes, they caught this guy who's a financier for Hezbollah, who, who was financing, uh, head of the finance system of Hezbollah in Africa, laundering money, and when they came under a lot of pressure from Hezbollah threats, they turned them over to the United States, and now they're saying they're, they're coming after us, and they're providing this military equipment to the Polisario uh, rebel group, the front group in Western Sahara. So we see that, the, that Iran is quietly advancing in every respect, so the Europeans and all of those who say, well, you got to negotiate, they had the JCPOA. They did not deliver on it. Mm. And so I think that the, the tough stand that we have to take 
right now is very clear. So we see the red line, obviously, this morning when it comes to North Korea. And quite obviously, over the last 10 days, we've seen the red line that you described with Iran. You know where we haven't seen a clear red line in Syria? At least it doesn't seem clear to me what the uh, what the U.S. position is and exactly what action they expect uh, right. to, to take. And well, am I right? to pull out our troops, I think, was not smart because that you know, it could be a green light for the bad guys who think they just have to wait us out. I think that the United States has to stay in to make sure that Iran doesn't emerge as power. We see more tension between Russia and Iran these days, and the Russians, Russia's did not respond to the attacks, um, was also a message, because they don't want to see Iran dominant. They wanted to see Assad protected. He's clearly today um, in a pretty much stronger position, although he only controls 50% of the country, even now, and between a half and a third of the populations. But there, there are areas where their control uh, is uncertain because they don't have enough troops. He has about, they estimate, ten to 20,000 troops available for offensive operations. The Army is about 150, 100 to 150,000, but they're poorly trained. They're not, these are, many of them are militia auxiliaries who do local security, and much of the offensive power today in, in Syria is Hezbollah and the uh, uh, IRGC and the, especially the Shiite militias from Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, other countries. And uh, they think they're the Russian air-to-ground system, air missile defense system, uh, which was not deployed and not fired during the um, recent operation, in which Israel used the F-35 stealth bomber for the first time in combat ever, anywhere, that the uh, the stealth bomber was was uh, tested, and it came through with flying colors. It worked, it worked effectively, huh? Right. By the way, uh, on Iran for a second, two things. Number one, have you noticed that the media, I think, has been reporting more on the protest demonstrations in Iran and and the pro-government demonstrations in Iran, they're doing a good job, at least the way it appears to me. They're doing a good job at making the world think that the government has a tremendous amount of support among its citizens. Because you, of course, always cite that there are a lot of protest demonstrations against the government that are going on that we don't know about. Uh, but have you noticed that on both sides, it seems, that we're getting more and more reports? How, how, how much did you see about the fact that nationwide all the truck drivers went on strike? that the teachers were on strike, that bus drivers went on strike. We don't see that as much as we see the ones who are pro-government. Well, that, yes, that's right. So I don't think that there's uh, much coverage because most of the ones that are pro-government are staged. Uh, people are, right. you know, ordered. It's like the Gaza, you know, where, where people are saying, oh, these are natural demonstrations of the people when 80%, they all admit, uh, Hamas admits, were, were Hamas, those who killed were Hamas operatives, and that the snipers were very careful to take out um, and in very difficult circumstances, but to surgically strike just those who were engaged in firing and in, in uh, that activity. And, um, you know, the media still till today keeps distorting and misrepresenting what happened there. And, you know, as if Israel engaged in, in aggressive actions. Yesterday, a group cut through the fence. They were caught eventually, but they they came through the fence. You know, it's 65 kilometers. It's very hard to to monitor the whole thing. And then, you know, the international community, like we see the Palestinians now, the PA is going to the International Criminal Court, right. which does not even have jurisdiction because Israel is not a member and the PA is not a state. And yet they are they will put Israel in the docket. It just becomes another platform 
to to attack Israel. I know people dismiss it, but it, it, the PA just joined three UN agencies in the past uh, few days, who will face in, in trade and uh, the prevention of chemical weapons, etc. But they will. The United States has to make a decision whether to defund them, as the law requires, if they accept uh, uh, the Palestinian uh, Authority as a as a, a, a as a full member. So. I, I have frankly not seen any kind of balanced reporting or factual reporting or people indicating that they really understand that the Gaza demonstrations, as told to me by the uh, army spokesman, that they saw that it was so organized down to the buses that picked up people, which neighborhoods they went to, how they recruited them, and when people refused to come, how they were encouraged. Um, people supposedly paid to come, but mostly Hamas affiliated people, and that they sent those who just wanted to demonstrate and, you know, went for a Sunday picnic and, and got a free ride, were put in the front line. Behind them, those who were ready to riot, and behind them were the Hamas operatives who were shooting and, and trying to draw fire on the civilians. So to make it sound like, you know, these were spontaneous demonstrations or, you know, even manifestations of the frustration of the people, and and most of all, tying it to the Jerusalem Embassy, with which it had nothing to do. It was not because of that. Uh, I think it was planned long before and would have taken place regardless. It was tied to Israel's 70th anniversary and was going to happen no matter what. Nothing to do with the Paraguay Embassy either. Paraguay and uh, Honduras, Honduras and Guatemala. Oh, Guatemala so also. Support them and those who do business in these countries or know people who do should encourage them to let the government know that they're supporting them because the Arab League has now threatened uh, boycotts against them and in a country like Guatemala, which sells a certain spice, I forgot what it's called, that is used in Arabic coffee, and they are the major exporter of this, you know, it can have an economic impact. So we have to counter and encourage people to visit and to do business if they can with the countries that stand up with Israel at this time. And you saw the Czech foreign minister came out and said that uh, rushing the border is terrorism, and et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, and all, right I'd also emphasize that there was no link, link of that with the uh, with the embassy. By the way, with the embassy move, by the way, anything from today? Anything in terms of uh, riots and protests specifically today? Or uh... It's going to continue, but there's no big scale that I, I have seen. I, I didn't have a chance really this morning I think to it's, uh, I think it's eight, contact anybody. I think but, it's eight uh, weeks in a row now. There's usually a lag, by the way, between the time events uh, happen and the, um, but, you know, the frustration level there must be growing because after, you know, the sacrifices, about the people in Gaza are taking their anger out on Hamas because they realized that this was, this was a useless exercise from which they gained nothing except uh, paid a heavy price once again. And now we see that the demonstrations are against, uh, are increasingly against the Hamas leadership. And there's frustration on the part of some of the Iranians and others that, uh, of their backers, that they accomplished uh, nothing in, in all of this. And I always thought that uh, when it comes to these demonstrations, that during Ramadan, there's a, there's a complete lull. But I guess that's not the case. No, it's the opposite. I think that, that during Ramadan, there's usually an increase um, Oh, it's they don't want us to attack or defend ourselves during Ramadan, right? That's the thing. That's right. right that, and, the, that, right. The, um, and you know, because they fast all, all day, or some do, uh, most do, I think that the um, at least publicly that the um, maybe the tension uh, gets higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see the incitement. We see you know that there was a story from Turkey now 
here during uh, in the last days since uh, Ramadan began, where the Religious Affairs Directorate sent out a message that young people um, uh, should consider the importance of martyrdom for the new Islamic Turkey. Martyrdom. And we know what that what that means, and they're recruiting young people to go to demonstrations because there's an election coming up on June 24th, and Erdogan is worried about. Right now, the polls don't look that great for him, although I'm sure he will make sure that the polls ultimately come out all right. Um, they're supporting the Palestinian bid to go to the ICC, International Criminal Court. They, they gave out half a million dollars almost in $500 checks in East Jerusalem. Uh, through the the Turkish Cooperation Coordination Agency, and they're putting much more money in beyond that. But that uh, is, um, and they gave out Turkish flags and and other things to the people there, because he, as he said, and told me that the the Caliphate needs Jerusalem, and yet his currency hit a new low, and there's a sort of siege mentality people described there. So the you know they become more vulnerable and then lash out to cover up the vulnerability. And Iran is doing it. Turkey is doing it. They're expanding bases around the world when their own economies are, are in ruin. It was, there was a time when he tried to reach out to the Israeli leadership and, uh, and with, with the economy in mind. Am I right, Erdogan? Say that again? That he tried to reach out and, and establish what we see other countries doing in terms of technology with Israel. and more- Turkish trade with Israel through all of this, the Mavi Mamara, all the other stuff, has consistently gone up. It's not because of the government. It's because Turkish businessmen. Private enterprise. Israelis are doing a lot of business. It's private enterprise, exactly. But also tourism. And, you know, that that I think 100,000 Israelis were scheduled to visit Turkey over uh, 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 Shavuot and over a period around that. And people backed out. But there are, I don't know, 10 flights a day from Turkey to Israel. And those are not Turks visiting Israel. This is Israelis going to Turkey and from Turkey to, to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have a, a, a lot to lose. And the government acts on one level and the people and business community are acting on another level. And there, there was never a decrease. What, what really shocks me is that when the spokeswoman who made the charges against Israel came out a few weeks ago and said that essentially they lied, that it was they, the, the Turks on the boat, on Mafi Mamara, who initiated the conflict, who tried to gear it, get, grab the weapons of the Israelis who had not drawn them, and that they initiated the violence. Right. Where, where's the apologies? Yeah. Where's all the papers that, that demanded Israel apologize, which they did, and pay compensation? Where, where is everybody? Where's everybody when, uh, whatever the circumstances are, protesters end up in the, you know, end up seeing their demise, 50, 60, 70 protesters in Gaza, but when a quarter of a million people are, are murdered by government, other governments in the Middle East, nobody says a word. And, and when people from our community join, whether from the extreme left or right, under any guise, in demonstrations, and you see a sea of black coming into the city and demonstrating during a war against Israel, there has to be accountability. And I, I, I mean, it's so outrageous. And, uh, uh, you know, there's always the leverage of the pocketbook against um, anybody who shows support. You can be critical. You may not decide that this is the best way. Maybe they didn't prepare the right way. You can have legitimate criticism. 
But there's a big difference between that and coming to understand what Israel's up against. How many of them really know what the soldiers, read the accounts of what they were facing and how much restraint they demonstrated as people approached the fence and, and to avoid hitting children. But when they used the, the, children, the people as, as uh, human shields, and despite that, 80% of them were terrorists that were uh, Hamas terrorists that were killed. And you never hear the phrase disproportionate response in regard to any other episode on this globe. Other than in this conflict. You That's never, right. You never and what's disproportionate when your border can come under siege, when they have proven, you know, Israel destroyed another tunnel and, uh, and hit a boat in, uh, in the seaport that was engaged in uh, nefarious activities. But, but you're absolutely right. And, and we, our community, can't fall victim to this. And to, that, that what we say when, when Jews say, it, regardless of whether they're affiliated, whether they're extremes, left, right, extreme, right, whatever, then people will use it. And the PA takes pictures of Jews, you know, demonstrating and sends it all over the world. As I got reports from Europe and everywhere saying to me, how is this possible? That guys dressed in black going thing have signs against Israel, rail against Israel during this period. Outrageous. Um, I want to remind everybody, 13 minutes after 8 o'clock here on the East Coast, uh, we are presenting what we always present, and that's Malcolm Holmline Friday morning. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's also, along with his wife, somebody who every year supports us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. We're doing this 35 years. Malcolm and I have been discussing events of the week for the last 17 years on a consistent basis every single week with rare exception. I am simply asking everybody out there who uh, enjoys this conversation and finds it meaningful and informative uh, to join everyone else who has already supported us in this spring fundraiser, you can go to fjbunity.org. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting is the way to do it. So it's fjb, fjbunity.org uh, to donate uh, now. And between now and the end of the broadcast, when I leave the air, uh, we'll be thanking people and encouraging people to do the same. By the way, I hear that the Mahmoud Abbas has been hospitalized is in a difficult health situation again. Yeah, they said it was an ear infection, but he was kept there uh, for a few extra days. But I think he was he was due to be released. I assume he was released uh, yesterday or today. Um, but look, he's old, and and it's part of the problem. He's waiting for the the dust to settle in in Gaza to make a move there. He's going to try to reassert, you know, the PA authority there because they feel that Hamas has been weakened by the events of the last few weeks. So the media would point out and make it appear to be, uh, you know, victorious or assertive or ascending because of it, which is absolutely not the case inside the, the country. And you know that they are barring Israeli shipments of food. They're claiming to the world that they're starving, yet dozens and dozens of trucks every day of food are, are being prevented. Some of the medicine they let in, but they wouldn't let in the food coming from Israel. So they're, they're sending it from Jordan or rebranding it as being from Jordan, uh, of Jordan, Jordanian origin, uh, in order to get the food into the people. So anybody who thinks that they care at all about their people, and they make public announcements saying that they're coordinated with Hezbollah and Iran, and they thank Iran for all the money and the weapons, the the uh, more sophisticated weapons uh, that they got. This came from uh, 
uh, Yahya Sinwar himself, the, the, the leader of, of Hamas, and boasts about uh, the degree to which they uh, are working together and said that um, Qasem Soleimani, you know, the of the Iran Revolutionary Guard, um, uh, he said that their ties with them are, are strong and, and the relationships are excellent with the, all these counts and how much money, equipment, and expertise they provided to them. Hello? Anybody had any questions about who's behind it and what's uh, promoting it? There's your answer from their very lips. The problem is nobody listens to what these guys say. They're telling the truth. They tell the truth. And the media and everybody still making excuses for them. You know, in terms of the services and the goods that are not getting in, and people obviously are paying the price because of of, of how they're they're acting, protesting, etc. You know, one thing I have to mention, though, is that and 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 I know I know you agree. It's not just that they're being put, that women and children are being put up to this that we get, but there's also somewhat of a spirit of volunteerism in them within these people and and children because they're indoctrinated the way they are because they're growing up with this anti-Israel hate that that remember we're discussing now already for decades. You and I are already discussing for decades how supposedly Arab governments were going to put a stop to this and that schools would, ha- would you know, educate people differently than with the textbooks they normally had, et cetera, et cetera. None of this ever changed. And, and despite the indoctrination and despite the steady diet of hatred and blame on Israel, the people see through it. The fact is that the attendance, even at the peak days, was far below what they anticipated and dropped off immediately. It's true the Hamas uh, after the pressure from uh, Egypt and the agreement to open the crossing there also pulled them back at that point, but they never reached anywhere near the number. And they were sending the buses, they were recruiting people, they were paying people, they were, and these were paid, you know, affiliates of, of Hamas coming out, bringing their families. Um, and, the, you know, some of them really just came and had a picnic. I'm not saying there isn't a lot of frustration, but the frustration then gets exercised against Israel when they know full well. And in interviews and other things, they put the onus on the manipulation by Hamas, the fact that they've that uh, they steal the aid and the money that comes in. They redirect cement. Again, we saw this week to the tunnels, yeah. which are huge amounts that are, should be used for reconstruction. And they're really doing nothing for the people. And, and you see this uh, in other areas, in the West Bank as well, we were, and the, in the Arab world, where today they just throw their hands up and they say, you know, they, they've used up all the goodwill because it's not the people so much, but the governments there and the, the kleptocracy, the stealing of the funds, the the failure to come to the table. And, you know, we'll see soon whether they're, they're going to be willing to entertain what appears to be a commitment to the administration to put forward some sort of a plan uh, in, the, in the next um, four to six weeks, I would say. Did you happen to see the letter that uh, was published? A rabbi who used to live in uh, Gush Katif who wrote a letter to the children of Gaza explaining the way life was for yes. it was pretty very rem- moving very moving and and they don't realize they don't me, meaning this new generation does not realize what it was like to live in sync with their you know with their israeli neighbors and how and how much of an advantage it would be for them if there would be you know quote unquote real peace and a uh, you know and the situation the way it was years ago and all the promises when Israel withdrew that don't worry, there's an international border that will never cross. Sharon said it, the international community, oh, you know, if you just withdraw to the 67 border, Gaza has a 67 border. This is, there's no occupation, yet they talk about the occupation which ended nine years ago. They, you know, there's not, none of the, the promise of peace developed, and you know, when they destroyed even the greenhouses that were given to them as a gift at a cost of many millions of dollars. 
and uh, you know that's one level. But here you you, you see the the it's such a blatant distortions with the whole community. You know, much of the international community just falling in line. Look at all the statements from European governments and the condemnations of over sixty people dead. You know, they don't say anything about the the tens of thousands of people who were killed in in the last year in all all these different places around the world. <laughs> that. that uh, and and if you look at the charts I saw of the number of um, of the stories and things on on uh, Facebook over the 90 people who were killed in in Gaza in 2017 versus the 15,000 in Somalia and Afghanistan tens of thousands all over the world it's minuscule compared to it. Yeah. Well, Malcolm, I thank you. We'll obviously reconvene next week. I thank you for your support, and uh, and I know that you're willing to say publicly that there is value uh, to the Jewish world gathering together to hear all of this each and every week. It's not. It's value. It's essential and more essential as we see the lies and distortions, and that we have an opportunity. And I hope that people take advantage and talk to their families about this on Friday night yep. and Shabbos to, to to engage your kids in this, let them know what's happening. They see the reports. We, we're in danger of losing them. We are losing some of them, even from the best trained and best schools, et cetera. So please, the information is not just an exercise. It's not something I, I really need to do and that you need to do every Friday and prepare for it as you do. Um, it's it's meant to be a service to the community as you do with so many other things during the uh, during the whole week, but for this for all of the years that we've been doing it, you know people stop me all, all the time and say what a service it is and how much uh, and how meaningful it is for them to be able to be able to take some of this stuff and talk about it. You know it's interesting. I don't know if you remember, but we decided to make this a weekly segment the week of nine eleven. 9-11, you, you and I both said to each other, you know what, This we, we have to be a resource to just get information out to the people on a regular basis so they know when they can get it and when they can hear it. And this happened, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how, how and it's very easy for me to remember, obviously, because we all know the anniversary of 9-11. It was just after that terrorist attack that we decided. Well, we regularized it when yeah. we were on. Correct. Many we, years we, we, had that, been on we had been on for years before that, but, but we, just, we made but it, it at into, irregular times, right. you know, periodically. Because but we said that regularize this, it, people condition their lives. You remember once we were on on a Thursday morning. Yes. And people called up screaming. Yes. And they even called my house and said, don't do this to me. I got up. I heard you. I said, I didn't make a challenge. I didn't do anything to prepare for Shabbos. How could I have done this? And well, we've learned that lesson. I, I have made sure now to be as re as regularly scheduled as possible, even, right. even under <coughs> difficult circumstances. <coughs> I thank you as usual. Okay. We could be next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm, online. Not only is he executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, but his family, believe it or not, after the way we overwork him, they are proudly financial supporters of our foundation and of this network. So I thank him and I thank all of you.